Empire. The beautiful game is spreading. In soccer specifically, you have a really interesting dynamic in that, you know, rather than like in most countries, you kind of have this top-down approach uh, to sports. You know, soccer was really almost built in America kind of from the bottom up. That's Eddie Lewis, former U.S. national team member and founder of Toka Football, where soccer continues its growth in the United States. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The future of soccer. Here it means one thing. In Europe, something else entirely, especially recently. Eddie Lewis continues to profitize the game stateside, but he also has experience having played at the highest levels overseas. So our conversation was broad, kind of like how soccer is around the globe. Our guest this week is one of the most decorated American footballers, Eddie Lewis, who played in the 80s and 90s for the United States national team and had an extensive soccer career in Britain and in the MLS as well, and is now the founder and president of Toka Football, which is a technology-enabled soccer experience company trying to grow the game stateside. Hey, Eddie, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about Toka Football. What are you trying to build here? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Toka, we're, you know, we're a soccer-focused experience company you know we love the game uh we love promoting the game we lean heavy into tech to to really blend kind of the physical and digital digital world to to transform the soccer experience currently we have we have two two platforms toka sport uh which are soccer centers focused on you know our core product toka training which i which i'd love to talk about we also uh run leagues and 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 kids programs and we have a new a new platform called Toka Social, which is an experience-based destination. It launches this summer in the O2, uh, something we're, we're super excited about. I think the best way to, to probably describe it is, is, is it's sort of the top golf for soccer. But um, at the minute, you know, Toka Sport is, is the company we've been uh, really founded on and, and has been the primary business up until now. Get back to top golf then for a second. What is top golf for soccer? Explain that. Yeah, so uh, Toka Social was a, a concept we developed out of um, the, the, the Toka training experience. Really, um, kind of relies on a lot of the same technology. We've also kind of developed um, UCV technology, but essentially, uh, it's a it's an interactive soccer experience um, that really is a uh, a cool concept. Imagine kind of a, a golf simulator, if you will. We have our touch trainer at the front that delivers a ball. And as you strike the ball into a series of, of different types of games, some football focused, some not, uh, you really have the opportunity to kind of play with your friends and family. Um, this fun, you know, soccer type game in this virtual uh, kind of environment to a certain extent. And, you know, at the same time, you know, have a beer and, and some food while you're smashing volleys with your friends. <laughs> That's cool. Um, let's talk about data and technology. Um, how are you looking at being looking at that being utilized to evaluate players in coaching and training? Sure. Yeah, and I think you know to 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 kind of your point, you know, data and technology have have really kind of made big moves into into the 
you know, over the last few years, I think traditionally soccer has sort of been um, behind, you know, to a, to a certain extent. You know, today you're seeing um, whether it's things like, you know, topo training uh, or, you know, video analysis, GPS, wearables, they're all sort of making their way down, um, you know, down market from, from the top level into, into sort of the, the youth game. And I think, you know, for most parents, there's still this, um, you know, underlying foundational uh, things as a parent you look for in sports, which are, you know, is my son or daughter happy, right? Um, are they you know, having fun? Are they learning teamwork, you know, discipline, all the, all the great things that go into, into youth sports. But at the same time, do they still, you know, they want to know, are, you know, how good is my son or daughter? Are they progressing? You know, is this the best path, um, you know, for their, for their development? And I think while there's been a ton of, you know, information and, and data that's come into, into them, I think, you know, just like in other industries, the same challenges exist, which is, you know, how do I interpret that data? How do I contextualize this information so that it's, it's relevant or, or, or meaningful to me? And, and for us at Toka Training, really, that's, that's you know, a, a big part of our focus. Obviously, the, the core product and, and the training is what we do with the players, but we spend a lot of time making sure that we're informing parents um, everything that was done during that session, why it's important, why it's age-relevant to them, that they have a better snapshot on, you know, what it takes to either be a great soccer player or, you know, just how they're progressing uh, as an individual. Um, I, I want to get some big picture soccer questions for you in this country, which you've kind of touched on there. But I want to start with what the here and now, which is the last year was unprecedented. Um, what was your, your viewpoint of how youth sports and groups like yours dealt with shutdowns in a pandemic? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was interesting, right? I think, you know, in, in, in some ways, it gave everybody the opportunity to kind of, you know, reevaluate what's been um, what's been happening, and, and you know, over the over the years. And I think in in soccer specifically, you have a really interesting dynamic in that, you know, rather than like in most countries, you kind of have this top down approach uh, to sports. You know, soccer was really almost built in America, kind of from the bottom up. So you had these these early days of you know AYSO and and kind of recreational soccer and Slowly over time, these clubs have really kind of, you know, emerged into into big players in in youth development. But probably, if you if you stripped it all back, it might not be um, going about it necessarily in in the best way. So I think it's provided a really good opportunity to kind of reevaluate, you know, some of those things. And I think in the next couple of years, you'll see, you know, real big differences in and you know making sure that players aren't you know overtraining. Um, games aren't just you know, totally focused on, on winning and losing. You know, there's a more holistic approach to what it means to become um, either top player or, or even top level athlete, right? Nutrition starts to come into the, into the picture, you know, your overall wellness. You now things as simple as, as sleep, which I think, you know, were never a part of the conversation, but I think now people are realizing, listen, this is more than just, you know, training an extra day a week on the field. Where are you on trying to attract the best overall athletes to stay in soccer um, and not choose other sports as a potential track? How, how have you seen that kind of develop through the years? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's been kind of a um, an age old question, and I think you know, for you know, certainly players in in my generation, I think that was a a, a 
much more kind of you know relevant relevant question. I think today, you know, you're seeing um, you know some of the top athletes in America choosing to play soccer because they're they're now seeing the opportunities, right? As as the MLS emerged and there was a path to professional soccer, right? That was a, a big step in the right direction. I think because of uh, the awareness of all the you know the international stardom and the number of players going abroad, um, you know, playing for big clubs, you know, now earning huge contracts. I think that obviously, you know, plays um, you know plays into it as well. I think it's it's a process, and you know, if you want to attract you know, certain athletes or certain demographics or, or from certain areas, you know, you have to give them you have to give them access. I think you know it's not something that's going to happen. You know, necessarily overnight, but I think there's there's definitely a, a much different view of uh, what it means to be a professional soccer player today than than it certainly was 20 years ago. I, I wonder what your position is on on social media as well, where there there seems to be it's unusual here. So LeBron James or Tom Brady or other big American sports stars have large presences, but comparatively to major soccer players around the world, it gets dwarfed. And yet at the same time, you know, the really good American players through the years, Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador, others, they don't have that kind of reach and presence. So can you kind of take me through what you think might be the gap of getting American stars kind of on that level? Yeah, well, you know, I think the reality is, and, and to your point, um, you, you, you have to be the, the best of the best, right? So I think, you know, if you're talking about LeBron, LeBron James, he's the best the basketball player in the world or, or Tom Brady's, you know, the best quarterback. Um, you know, the, the reality is the best soccer players in the world have bigger followings, right? They're, they're, they're bigger international stars than, than either two of those guys. And I think that, um, although they're not currently, you know, American soccer players, you know, those, they're still being followed by all American soccer fans. You know, I think probably one of the most telling things, you know, someone could do and, uh, you know, today isn't the perfect time because schools are, are still working their way back to normal. But if you go to an elementary school, um, you know, just, just have a look around during during a recess. And, you know, it, it's, it, if you're looking at kids and, and the jerseys they're wearing, you, know, you might see uh, uh, an NFL jersey, um, maybe a couple of NBA jerseys, but there's tons of kids wearing soccer jerseys. That's right. And not just the, the local MLS team, you know, right. Ronaldo, right? Sancho like they they it's it's a huge huge audience and you know it, it's not hard to imagine how that trend you know will continue to make, make its way you know as it as it gets um obviously you know social media was not a thing when, when you were playing as you kind of view it as broadly in how it helps grow soccer here locally or abroad what is your kind of take on social media and its role in the growth of soccer yeah, I, I mean, I think it's 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 probably been you know truthfully one of the one of the biggest drivers, and I, and I think the reason is you know soccer um, lands in this really unique place, right? If you if you compare soccer to to other sports, right? There's kind of there's these traditional sports. Take a sport like a sport like baseball, right? Great sport, but it's a it's a sport sport, right? And if you if you take a you know a lifestyle sport like you know action sports or surfing or skating you know, these are sports that people really live to then participate in that sport it's what they wear um it's how they look it's how they talk right and soccer's always managed to land 
really nicely right in between, right? It's a huge commercial sport, you know, globally, but at the same time, you know, it, it lands very much in kind of this lifestyle realm of people love, you know, wearing jeans and a jersey, right? Street soccer is, you know, sometimes in some areas more popular than, you know, than the, the Premier League, right? You have things like Pana and, and the 1v1. So you have very much kind of this um, street and lifestyle element to the sport that I think really lends itself well to some of these big platforms, you know, like Instagram. It also you know, really allows for the reality of, of how big the sport is, right? So if you're looking for, you know, great moments in the game or fails or, you know, funny things that are happening, there's so much content that's being delivered every day from soccer around the world that I think it, it really just, you know, accelerates the uptake for, you know, for most of the fans. In terms of what you're trying to build with Toka Football, um, when you read the descriptions that were sent to me about the group, you hear like strong connections to the game, cultivating cultural experiences in and around soccer. Um, What ultimately is your goal? Are you trying to find and procure players that potentially could become professionals like yourself? Are you just trying to kind of organically grow the game? Like what's the mission statement of what you're doing? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I think at, at the end of the day, right, it's, it's, it's all about community. You know, I, I think we have a really powerful product that does aid in, in, in player development. And I think we've, we've created a process that, um, you know, as, as you know, soccer is a sport that's, that's inherently hard from, from a technical level, right? The objectives are, are, are simple, right? And I think there's this romantic element to it, which, which tells you, hey, you know, a group of us could go out to a park, you know, we could set up a couple of trash cans and with the ball, you know, all of a sudden we're, we're playing soccer. But the reality is, um, you know, it's, you're not allowed to use the, the, the one, you know, feature on your body that's, that's probably the easiest to use, which is your hands, which means everything is, is trained. There's nothing really natural about it. So, um, you know, it takes a lot of time and, you know, a lot of touches on the ball in order to, to master the skills necessary to be good at it. And for us, um, we figured, okay, well, if everyone's saying, you know, uh, because there's so many other sports in America, or because, you know, as an American, you uh, prioritize, you know, education more than other countries, or because it's not inherently, um, you know, in your blood the way it is in some countries, you know, kids just won't be outside playing soccer every day. So as a result of that, they're just not going to get as many touches and, they won't necessarily be as good. But, you know, so for us, the answer was, well, let's just find a way to get more touches then. And, you know, by doing so and beginning to opening these centers, what we also found was, you know, people are looking for space. People are looking for community, right? And whether that's, you know, as a soccer player or a soccer fan, you know, a physical experience in a stadium, you know, watching a game or, you know, like my son, um, you know, a digital experience, you know, hanging out on a beanbag playing FIFA, you know, with his friends online. Yeah. Right? There's, there, there's, a, there's a longing for, for community and both in our sports centers and, you know, in the future with the social centers, I think we provide this really killer environment that, you know, sort of blends these physical and digital worlds, you know, all around the, the sport we love, you know, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's about um, the people around them and the experience they're enjoying. 
All right. Last thing for you, um, because of your experience playing in England, I am just curious what your general reaction was to the idea that a Super League would have been formed and the reaction from almost unanimously the fan bases, specifically of English Premier League teams, that they didn't want anything to do with it. Um, What was your reaction to that? Yeah, I I thought it was incredible, you know, on, 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 on both sides, truthfully, I guess it didn't, didn't surprise me too much. You know, the reality was, obviously, it was a, a, a money grab from, from the ownership perspective. But, you know, the immediate and, and you know, just wave of responses from the fans, you know, particularly the English fans, I thought was, was incredible. You know, and, and, you know, to be able to kind of turn that thing around as quickly as they did um, and really make a statement, you know, to... to owners and, and really the, the entire football community that this is still this is still their sport you know and I think um, it's been great you know and truthfully every player would feel the same way you know as the fans I think there was just a small group truthfully a lot of them um, you know owners you know sadly uh, I was embarrassed that, that some of them were American you know and I think they they understood uh, enough about what they were doing from a business perspective yeah. but didn't have any idea of of what this meant to the sport and you know how 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 those leagues work um you know what it takes to taken to kind of get to that place so you know truthfully um yeah i can understand why why fans felt that it was it was terribly offensive eddie lewis is a former national team member of the united states soccer team he played in the mls and in britain and is now the founder and president of toka football t-o-c-a thank you so much for joining us eddie thanks for having me on the next future sport podcast for harris blitzer sports and entertainment ceo scott o'neill the process can mean a lot of different things I think a lot of, of my peers are either thinking, uh, planning, or should be thinking and, and or planning about how you leverage these teams, these organizations, as platforms to, to do more. O'Neill is watching his Sixers compete and being mindful of his own emotional health at the same time. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.